Hey friends, Ashton here and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. We have uh, we have a friend joining us again. I was looking at my show notes here. Uh, almost, uh, what is, it's been over two years since we had her on. Allie Fallon, you guys maybe had remembered her. I love my first conversation with her. And um, she's got a new book coming into the world, The Power of Writing It Down, A Simple Habit to Unlock Your Brain and Reimagine Your Life. You can get it on January 12th. And um, speaking of new, I think there's a lot of stuff new in her world. Maybe like new human, uh, maybe a new marriage, like a lot of things. So let's get into all that. So Allie, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. (laughs) You bet. Um, And again, I'm just living through some Instagram streams here and there. Uh, (laughs) Talk to me about, before we get into the book, what some of this, some of the new people and faces in your life since we last talked. Yeah. Yeah, a lot has changed. Um, I always do, uh, like instead of a new year's resolution, I'll do like a phrase for the year. And I usually just go with my gut on that. Like I, whatever comes to me in like November, December time, I'll take that and use it for like a setting an intention for the next year. And the phrase that came to me at the end of 2019 was it's all happening. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, or sorry, that was the end of 2018. So th- my, my phrase in 2019 was it's all happening. And in the next about 14 months, well, in the next 12 months, I got married, got pregnant. Um, and then shortly after that, obviously had, had a baby and, um, I live in California now. It's, it's, yeah, it's all happening. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you moved. I mean, I saw, you know, Pacific time on our show notes here, but I didn't yeah. I figured you were just on vacation. So you're even in a new place. I am. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a whirlwind, but a lot of really good, wonderful, beautiful things. I'm really thankful. I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Yeah. How old's the baby now? She's four and a half months. So yeah. Yeah. So how's it been juggling all you do and a new life? Tell me about it. It's, you know, a friend said this to me the other day and I thought this is the perfect way to describe it. She said, there are going to be days when you feel like I am superwoman, like I'm queen of the earth, like I could do anything. <laughs> and then she's like, 10 minutes later, you'll be like, it's all falling apart. I'm such a failure. That's about how it feels for me. Yeah. It, there are just moments where I'm like, you know, like in awe of the miracle that it is to like grow a human life inside of me and give birth to it. And then like, the, the just balancing of like even just daily life, let alone working life along with keeping a human alive and keeping her like relatively happy. And, um, and then like seeing her smile at me and, and seeing parts of myself in her and watching her little personality emerge. Like it's all very, um, it's all like so many highs and then the lows are like (laughs) the lowest of lows. I regularly feel like I could just laugh and cry at the same time. (laughs) Life is funny. So, I love it. I love it. Um, well, um, so glad to hear that all sorts of new beautiful things um, are happening. Um, for maybe some of our listeners that weren't here round one back in 2018, uh, how do you introduce yourself and your work in the world? You not only are an author, but you also, you're kind of like a, a writing coach. And forgive me if that's not uh, the right terminology. Uh, you've got yeah. a company called Find Your Voice. So t- talk to us about kind of... Um, all those things that you do. Yeah, no, writing coach is the perfect way to describe what I do. I usually say like, I write books, I help people write books, and I believe a regular practice of writing can totally change your life. So I work with um, authors who, and we at Find Your Voice work with authors who are looking to be published. They have publishing aspirations of some kind and help them 
outline and structure their work. We help them actually execute on the manuscript. We help them edit and rearrange their work and then help them get it out in the world. But I also do a lot of work with writers who either aren't sure that they have publishing aspirations, but they just kind of have an idea that's nagging at them. And then even people who are skeptical about the process of writing altogether, like they would say, I'm not really a writer. That's not my thing. I don't, I don't even know that I enjoy writing. But if they're interested or at least willing to use it as a tool for personal growth and self-help and self-therapy, then um, I teach workshops, you know, pre-COVID it was all in-person workshops. Now they're all virtual workshops that uh, teach people how to use writing as a tool for for, for growth. So right uh, a little bit of all of the above and I also write books and speak and all the things. So, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So this latest one, um, uh, I, I guess we could call some of your other books memoirs, maybe. Is that, yeah. is that kind yeah. of what we'd call them? Um, totally. And, uh, but this one is... I don't know. I kind of feel like it's um, all of the wisdom that you've seen personally, but also wisdom that you've seen kind of break through in other people's lives that have crossed your path. Yeah, um, it is. It's like a culmination point in my career. This book is um, because it feels a little different than the other two books that I've written. Memoir is the perfect word to describe them or, or sometimes I'll you know, use the genre creative nonfiction, but Mm -hmm. basically like taking a season of time from my life and turning it into a a story that might be interesting for someone else to read. But as much as I, I feel pretty confident in my ability as a writer to, to, to write a story that's compelling and gripping and can invite a reader into it and connect with the reader and help them kind of glean some things from my story that might apply to their life. At the same time, I think releasing those other two books, I, I didn't have any crazy notion that like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people would be interested in reading my story. It's just my story. Whereas with this book, I just think this book has a much broader appeal. It's taking what I learned through the process of crafting my own story and what I've learned in the last decade of working with authors and helping them craft their message or their story. And what I've learned from watching people, even in a journaling practice, have these powerful transformations in their life. And it's compiling all of that along with the data and research that shows how powerful writing can be and delivering to the reader a step-by-step process that literally anybody can follow for free and and start to see really amazing tangible benefits and changes in their day-to-day life. So it feels exciting for me yeah. on that front because yeah, I mean there's no you don't meet an author whoever doesn't want to sell copies of their book. <laughs> there are a lot of other perks and benefits to writing a book that don't involve selling a ton of copies, but it just feels like this book, um, has the potential and the power to impact a lot more lives than my previous books have. So, yeah. Beautiful. So your company uh, that you founded is called find your voice. Um, and you know, you, this is, this is a, a great theme, you know, of this book is like finding that voice. What, what is the, help me peel back the onion on yeah. what you have found that, 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 that means really as a writer, as a person, like, what do you mean when you say find your voice? So there's, there's a lot, it's, there are many layers to what I mean, but let me start at the most basic layer. So we talk about when I work with authors on memoirs, I talk about what's called a narrator voice. The narrator voice is like when you're telling your story, um, what's, so 
everybody knows what a narrator voice is because it's like the once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away or whatever. That's the narrator. Yeah. The narrator is the part of this, the, the person in the story who knows more about the story than in any of the characters within the story. So it's kind of like the higher level 30,000 foot view of the story. That's like, you know, that does the foreshadowing and that kind of knows where the story is headed and it knows what the hero of the story is trying to accomplish and has a greater vision and perspective of the story than the, than the, characters who are in the story even have so when you're writing a memoir there has to be two different voices there's like you, you as the character the protagonist in the story have a voice um that is you know what you know in the moment which is limited and then there's the zoomed out version of you that's like that went through the story two years ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago or whatever who has a greater perspective on the story than the character within the story does so that narrator voice is like the broader understanding of like the themes and threads of your life or of this particular life story um, that has the 30,000 foot view that knows what the hero of the story is really after that understands that the obstacles are there so that you can learn something. And um, that voice, when I teach writers how to use that or how to, how to hone in on that narrator voice in their personal stories, what ends up happening is it actually gives you or, or not even gives you, it unveils for you the greater perspective that you've always had on your life that mm. you didn't, you may not have been in touch with. So that voice is just one example of what I mean when I'm talking about finding your voice. So the, the phrase find your voice, although it's really common and we use it a lot is a tiny bit misleading because it's less about finding something out there, like some sort of scavenger hunt and more like an uncovering yeah. of a voice that was always there, like yeah. a, like a thread that has carried you through from the beginning until now, the deepest yeah. part of you that understands what you're here for, what your purpose is, why you matter, what you're here to contribute. Um, the deepest part of you that gets that the daily struggles, the daily problems that you face are just a tiny little part of the story. They're not, they don't, they're not who you are. Um, the part of you that is actually incredibly confident in, in who you are and what, and, and what you have to offer the world. Um, that's not afraid that's uh, that's bigger than the mm -hmm. tiny version of you. Yeah. So um, it's a little bit like when we talk about voice, because it's not a thing you can hold and touch in your hand, it's a little bit hard to get at. But I, I think that narrator voice concept helps us to get there. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm kind of jumping around on this question, but I think it's necessary for some listeners, uh, even including myself, who I, I've I've always longed for a better writing discipline, you know, just whether that's journaling sure. or, or writing things down, what, what do we need to shake off through our writing <laughs> to, to find this voice that you're getting at? Cause I feel like it's not that you just get a blank piece of paper and all of a sudden you've found your voice. Like there's a, yeah. there's a process there. Have you, as you've seen hundreds of, if not thousands of people begin this journey, what are, is it, is it narrative? Is it posture? Is it fear? Like, what are what are the things that tend to hold people back as they kind of enter into this dialogue? Yeah, there are so many different things I could say to that. But the resistance that we experience, resistance, as Stephen Pressfield would yeah, call it, totally. is um, invisible. You know, I mean, so like it could be any number of things for us, but... I would say the number one the number one reason that we experience resistance, however that manifests itself for you, is because when you sit down to write about your life on the page, it's like looking in a mirror. There's no way to not see yourself clearly. You will see yourself clearly or you'll stop doing it. 
So um, that's the resistance that most of us experience is it can be quite painful to see our lives really clearly because we have to really admit to ourselves what is true. And sometimes admitting to ourselves what is true forces us into a position where we now we can start to make we realize how much um, agency we have. Mm-hmm. We can start to make decisions that are actually going to have an impact and to create change for us, which, you know, sounds exciting, but it also means making choices that are really difficult and that might have an impact on other people too. So, you know, like if the truth that you need to admit to yourself is uh, this relationship I'm in is done, <laughs> that can be a hard truth mm-hmm. to come to terms with, you know, I mean, it's, it is the, the, the very power and leverage that you have to create positive change in your life is in that truth. But coming to terms with that truth might be really challenging. So, so then the resistance pops up and it looks like many different things. It looks like, you know, for some people it looks like, um, I'm too busy to write. They'll say like, my schedule's just packed. It's like, I'm just super busy. I've got all these things going on, all these people who need things from me. And it's like, okay, sure. Yeah. But I know a lot of busy people who find time to write really busy people, probably busier than you. And also like who has more control over your calendar and your schedule than you do. And so people will say like, well, I can't, you know, I can't stop working because I have to make money to pay my bills. I don't have the money. I don't have the, you know, I can't make that work to write. And so then the question I would have would be like, okay, well, what, what might it say about um, your relationship with everything else and everyone else in your life that you can't find 20 minutes a day that are dedicated to the nourishment of you mm-hmm. and not necessarily dedicated to the, the like um, dollar amount in your bank account or aren't necessarily dedicated to what someone else might need from you. So... Um, our relationship with writing really becomes this reflection. I call it diagnostic. Mm. It's diagnostic of our relationship with everything else in life. Um, and and so our resistance to the writing can show us um, our resistance for everything else in our lives. Yeah, I love that. I just wrote that down, Relation, our relationship with writing. Um, mm. Maybe that's a, a great doorway because some people maybe listen to this and like, yeah, this I'm not interested in writing. But it's like, no, you, yeah. you you have to you have to form a relationship here. Yeah, um, yeah. Even it's funny. Like my I I've told this story a couple times recently, but my husband um, is like such a different personality than me. We're definitely like a, a case of opposites attract, <laughs> and he's much more like practical, linear. Um, when I first met him he was like asking me about the work I do, you know, and I was telling him and I could tell he was like, cool. Like, as in like, that's nice for you. But that, but he, but he had zero interest in participating period. And he, you know, runs his own company and has his own thing happening and is busy. We both travel a lot. So like I would do my work and he would do his work and it was just kind of, I just, I actually thought to myself, maybe he's proof that I'm wrong about um, th- this idea that everybody should write or yeah. everybody has something to gain from writing because he just seemed so disinterested in it. And it, I thought like, well, maybe he just really, maybe there are some people who just really don't need to write. Yeah. And um, when COVID hit in March, he it had a huge impact on him probably even about a week before it did anybody else. He works in live events and um, his company does like um, events at, the major cultural festivals. So like Comic-Con and South by Southwest and, you know, all these huge events. So naturally when COVID happened about a week before we went into um, lockdown and stay at home order in Los Angeles, he had to lay everybody off on his team, move out of their office space 
basically like pull back completely and shut down his business for the time being. So where like my business, we've been busier than we've ever been this year um, with people having all this time at home and wanting to, to spend some time writing. And he was like sitting around twiddling his thumbs. Like while I was still pregnant, he was like, what do I even do with my day? Um, so then I suggested to him, I was like, what if you wrote about your experience in this massive life transition? Cause he's having like an identity shift, a time, like his time is like so open. He could do anything with it. He's starting to wonder like, well, if I'm not going to like, what if live events never come back, then what would I do? What's my purpose? Like all these big life questions that are coming up for him. And I just said like, what if you journaled about it? Hmm. So he sat down and started writing about it and it is crazy. Like, I don't know why I think this is crazy because I've watched this happen for so many hundreds and thousands of other people, but watching it happen for him was just another affirmation for me that there's just not a person who, who can't stand to benefit from a daily practice of reflection like writing. Yeah. So. Well, that was my question here is like, how have you seen writing, you know, get people out of the ruts and dips of life? Um, because I, I'm, I'm crazy curious about this, not so much from like a let's publish something conversation, but really that, that sentence of, you know, the relationship with writing really triggered something with me. Um, I guess walk me through other scenarios of, of like just things or or a way of entering, entering into this relationship, uh, for those of us that may be in a season that is a rut or a dip, like where do you begin at the blinking screen or the blank page that sits in front of you? Sure. Um, so you used a word a few minutes ago, you used the word discipline, which is a yeah. word that I hear from people all the time who are resistant to starting a writing practice. They're like, I'm not disciplined enough hmm. to have a writing practice. And I want to um, offer an alternative word for people to use who are feeling that way because I just, I don't think that there's any such thing as a person who's not disciplined enough to write every day. Are you disciplined enough to brush your teeth every day? Are you disciplined enough to tie your shoes every day? Are you disciplined enough to do any, number of other things that you do every day? And also, you know, like, do you send text messages every day? Do you write emails every day? You're plenty disciplined enough to do those things. So it's not a matter of discipline. I like to use the word ritual because it's not about being disciplined enough to do it. It's about creating a ritual where this is part of the ritual and where there's purpose in the ritual. So I talk to people about creating a pre-writing ritual. And the, what a, the benefit of a pre-writing ritual is it's a set of, of actions that you go through before you sit down to write that will help prime your brain for the writing process. And what it does is it's like, this, it's like driving to the same location over and over again every day for 20 years that after a while you don't have to use your GPS anymore and you don't even have to think consciously about it. Your brain knows the way. So what I want to do with the pre-writing ritual is help people know the way to inspiration. I want you to know the way to your own creativity. I want you to know the way to your own intuition. I want you to know this so deeply that you almost don't even have to sit down at the page anymore to do it because you will start to access your own inner narrator voice without even writing it. Hmm. You'll start to access your own inner critic without even writing it down. You'll start to see your patterns and habits more clearly during the day without even having to write it down. Um, now that won't happen for a while. You, you, you know, it's important to create the ritual of actually sitting down to the page and, and doing this, but I've had a writing practice for as long as I can remember. And, um, I'm in the place where like, even in a season where it just isn't practical or logistical for me to sit down to the page for 40 minutes in the morning, 
I, I do this uh, as part of my morning ritual anyway, mm-hmm. I, like a process of self-reflection. I can tell you when I've got a critical voice in my head or a voice of self-doubt and it's on repeat and I can hear it happening yeah. and it's, it's causing me distress. And I can work to unwind it and unravel it so that it's not going to dictate my day. Um, but So pre-writing ritual are a set of actions that you do before you sit down to do your writing. And I tell people to think about um, uh, the five senses. So if you can kind of touch on as many of the five senses as possible in your pre-writing ritual, a lot of times people do this intuitively. So like you might, um, well, I'll just tell you kind of my, my pre-writing ritual without even meaning to do this. I usually do the dishes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like my first kind of like sort of resistance, but also it's, I've just made it part of my r- ritual. I do the dishes. I grab a cup of coffee. I light a candle or incense or sometimes Palo Santo or whatever. Um, I sit down in my, I have like this teal, like, uh, like felt fabric chair that I sit down in and I put my fingers on the keys. So notice how I'm touching on smell, sight, sound, um, touch. Notice how I'm focusing on five senses. What you're doing is priming your brain to memorize the path to inspiration, creativity, intuition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, your, your pre-writing ritual could be anything. It could be like a certain place you sit in the house. It could be a blanket that you love that feels really nice. It could be turning on some instrumental music. It could be coffee or a candle or incense. It could be anything that works for you. Um, brushing your teeth, dishes. The, the nice thing about something like dishes or laundry or brushing your teeth or going for a walk in your neighborhood is that it helps you to access your um, limbic brain, which is the part of your brain where... where all of your behavior is automated. Mm. It helps you to drop into the part of your brain where you're not uh, thinking so critically and analytically about everything. You're just, you're... Leave the five flatter freeze. Yes, exactly. So you have a little bit more space to um, play and be creative and to not make things, not need to make things make perfect sense. Mm. I love it. So um, that's why like so many of our creative ideas come to us in the shower. Right or while we're on a drive, or while we're in a walk in the neighborhood, or while we're brushing our teeth, or whatever, because we've disengaged the part of our brain that's trying to make sense of things, and we've just allowed ourselves to be in a creative flow. Yeah. Stop thinking about the tiger in the bushes. Um, Yes, exactly. (laughs) uh, Which is now just in our inbox. You know, it's just moved. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) um, So I wrote this down because... Brilliant book, The Power of Writing It Down, to start a new year off. To start a new year that, by the way, like, we're all longing for, like, reimagining our lives. Yes. Um, but uh, taking ownership, that that jumped out to me um, about this relationship with writing, the practice, the ritual uh, of writing, being this way to take ownership of your life. Hold my hand on that idea because I think um, yeah. people set, you know, New Year's resolutions. We set intentions, and come February first, those are gone. But but what does it look like to use this process um, or medium as a way to take ownership of your life? So most people, if you ask them, will tell you that they believe they have a relative sense of control over their lives. As in like, I ha- I take actions and I see results from the actions that I take. Mm-hmm. But most of us are not living our lives that way. Most of us are living like, and especially in 2020, most of us are living like, well, 
this just, this life just sort of happened to me. I don't know. Like, I'm not really quite sure how I'm here. Um, like I'm not quite sure how Trump got elected or how we're like, you know, in this, um, we've been in this storm for so long or I'm not quite sure how all this happened. Like I'm just home and I'm homeschooling my kids and I'm just like barely surviving the days and just getting through. Um, the reason that writing is such a powerful tool to help us take back the control that is ours is because it helps us zoom out from our stories and start to see ourselves as the protagonist again. Mm. So um, in a story, in a typical narrative structure, the protagonist in the story is the one who the story is centered around. So the story doesn't even move forward until the protagonist moves forward. And um, stories follow the life of a protagonist from the from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. The one thing that has to happen is the protagonist has to transform. Mm. They have to become something different. And if we think of our life stories like that, so not just like the, the story of your life from like birth to death, but also like the story of your of meeting your spouse and getting married or the story of giving birth to your first child or the story of your um, like a trauma from your childhood or the story of your relationship to your father or whatever it is, like all the millions of, um, of tiny stories within the bigger story of our lives. I think it's hard for us to remember that we are the protagonist, mm-hmm. meaning if mm-hmm. I don't take an action, the story doesn't move forward. And this story is about my transformation. Um, when I work with authors to help them write their memoirs, we talk about this. Like I, I, we start at the end of the story and I ask them like, what's the transformation? Cause until we know what the transformation of the main, of the main character is, we don't know what the story is. Mm. The story changes depending on what we think the transformation is. So when we can use writing as a tool to zoom out from our stories and start to see that what we're really after is not a perfect, happy ending. This is not a, like a romantic comedy that we're <laughs> writing together. What we're, what we're after is a transformation. And then we start to see that the pieces of the puzzle to the story actually fit perfectly. They actually, they're, they're, they're part of this epic adventure that we're on as a human being. So, um, writing has this way of helping us see how all those tiny elements of the story are actually part of this bigger picture. They're actually leading us to this outcome that we wanted all along. It's the transformation of, of the main character of the story. Yeah. So, you know, the ends of our story isn't, it's not usually like what they call it in a screenplay. That climactic scene usually has like a perfect conclusion to the character's internal, external and philosophical problems all in one scene. Um, there's a word for that. It's, uh, it's evading me right this second. Uh, I can't remember what it is, but there's a word for when it happens all in one scene yeah. and that never happens in our lives. I mean, rarely it's like, tiny little transcendent moments in our lives when we're like, everything is perfect. Don't breathe anyone. (laughs) Uh, But what does happen is we can stand at the end of a story. Like, you know, I I went through a divorce. That's what my second memoir is about. And when I, when I asked myself, like when I stand at the end of the story, what do I want to be able to say about myself? The transformation of the character was um, like, I moved through this story with integrity, confidence, and uh, a sense of ownership over who I am in the world. So I took this experience that wasn't what I picked. I didn't have control over it. And I turned it into something that was for my own good. I think we can do that with almost any story that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to say every story that we've ever faced. I don't, it's hard to make a blanket statement like that. But 
even stories that are really, really challenging, you know, even if you have like a very heartbreaking story of um, trauma, the, the kinds of traumas that can be really hard to get over, you can find a way to leverage that experience to become the very beauty and gift that you have to offer to the world. Yeah, I love it. You know, even just a, an affirmation that you are the protagonist, I, I think just even grounding yourself in that reality, um, yeah. kind, of, kind of shifts you out of that victim mentality to like, I don't know, I just ended yes. up here. This is happening to me. Uh, and it kind of puts you, you know, old school Don Miller, a million miles in a thousand years, you know, the protagonist is the one who knows what he or she wants and overcome, totally, you totally. know, and overcomes the resistance to get it. Like, I think that's for vision casting into 2021, like start out with what, what do you want? Like you may not, you know, yeah. you may not even know that yet. And the moment you have that into motion, the protagonist, man, he's, he, he's willing to go into the wilderness, take on the conflict. Um, yes. Cause 100%. He or she knows, you know, he or she knows what she wants. So beautiful. Um, so how do you invite someone? Where do we begin? Like, to maybe to someone that's never had a practice or ritual like this, um, what do we do day one to start this? Just so start? I can, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can go a couple different directions. So the two, two ideas that come to mind. Number one, and I can do both. I can give you a prompt that you can use that can help you have something to write about every single time you sit down to write. Yeah, but I think we need to step back even one step further than that and talk about, um, I talk about this in the book, but um, talk about creating space. I call it the sacred act of making space because if you don't make space in your physical environment, on your calendar and in your mind to do this practice, you won't ever yeah. be able to do any writing. So it doesn't matter even what, even if you never write a word on a piece of paper, but you find a way to make space in your physical space, to make space on your calendar and to make space in your in your brain, you will start to see the tangible benefits of this practice take hold. So like what I teach in the book is picking a corner of your house that's all yours. It's all it's designated to your writing practice, to your creativity, to your intuition, to your voice. It's all for you. Um, and you know, for some people like they have a desk in their house where they actually do their work and it doesn't make sense to them to sit there to do their writing. It doesn't feel right. So they might pick a chair in a different corner of the house, wherever it is. It could literally even be inside of your closet. I've had moms and moms that I work with who have a bunch of kids who are like the only place where no one can come find me is in my closet with the door shut. And I'm like, great, that's your creative space. <laughs> um, but yeah, finding a space in, in your physical environment and then, um, and then, you know, clearing some space on your calendar. The thing that I recommend people do is actually block off time on your calendar, whatever calendar system you use for scheduling meetings and doctor's appointments and, and uh, appointments, um, use that system to block off your writing and actually go into your iCal if that's what you use and create a little, uh, you know, calendar invitation for yourself that says from 10 to 1030 every single morning, I'm going to be sitting down to do my writing. Treat that the same way that you would treat a doctor's appointment or a hair appointment or picking up your kids from soccer practice. Unless you were sick or there was some sort of emergency, you would never miss those things because you'll pay a late or you'll pay a no-show fee or you'll, you know, your kid will sit yeah. there waiting for you and you won't be there for them. Treat your writing with the same kind of reverence and the same sort of, um, commitment that you would treat those things, uh, be willing to make that kind of commitment to yourself the same way that you make that commitment to other people. 
And then the third thing is really just making space in your brain. This can be um, like uh, speaking in end of 2020 slash early 2021. Making space in your brain can be as simple as turning off your phone, turning off the TV, turning off the 24-hour 24 24-hour 24 news cycle, and actually letting yourself sit alone with yourself and with your thoughts. Finding a way to clear some space in your brain for there not to be an input. Don't have a podcast on. Don't have music on in the background. Um, don't have, you know, with the hundreds of others of, of inputs that we have on any given day. And just sit alone with your thoughts and see what comes up. And if this is new to you, if you've never done that kind of a practice before, probably what you're going to find is it's quite noisy, even mm-hmm. when it's quiet, yeah. which is why so many of us turn to podcasts or music or radio or whatever, because it's a little bit less noisy than listening to the thousands of voices that are, you know, like ping-ponging around in our brains. Um, but it is the start of it is the start of the writing process. And like I said before, even if you never record a single word on the page, if you do those three things, if you're making space physically on your calendar and in your mind, you will start to see the benefits of this process take hold. I love it. If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist is one of my great statements. Um, I love it. Well, I'm super grateful uh, for you coming on and and sharing us, uh, sharing your story again with us and sharing... um, all of your expertise around the idea of writing, finding our voice, uh, and this beautiful ritual and practice. Um, moving ahead into 2021, what what's keeping Allie Fallon curious these days? Oh man, I'm so excited for 2021 uh, with the, on, on the business side of things. This is funny because I've been an author for 10 years now and uh, uh, like been writing for all of my life and I would have considered myself a creative person, but I wouldn't have necessarily considered myself a business owner or an entrepreneur. Um, Now that I look backwards and see my life from this perspective, I can totally see the evidence of that earlier. But, um, but I'm like, so I'm having so much fun uh, growing the business, hiring staff, figuring out better ways that we can serve our customers um, you know, trying to figure out, uh, like how to keep things profitable and how to, how to also be super generous as, as a company, um, how to operate ethically and still be really profitable, how to, uh, like create an environment where our employees can be really excited to come to work every day. It's, um, a constant math problem (laughs) and puzzle that I'm trying to solve, but it's, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. And 2021 is going to be an exciting year for us. So I love it. Well, uh, I can hear the energy in your voice. I love that you uh, have found a path that energizes you and um, super grateful for your work in the world. For our listeners to follow you and uh, what you're doing, where would you invite them to go? A couple of different places. So I, the social media platform that I'm most active on is Instagram. You can find me there at Allie Fallon, A-L-L-Y. And then Fallon, just like Jimmy Fallon. Um, and then findyourvoice.com. You can, if, if you are interested in starting a regular practice of writing, we have a great program called Grow Write, like W-R-I-T-E. Um, that's only 40 bucks. And it, it uh, works over 90 days to get you into a regular practice of writing and gives you plenty of stuff to write about and gives you a little bit of like direction with your writing. Yeah. So um, that's a really great, great starting place for people. And then 
Yeah, those feel like the two best places. to. Oh, also go find the book. I would love if people would go buy a copy of the book. It's called The Power of Writing It Down. And you should be able to find that like anywhere books are sold, Target, Walmart, Amazon, your local bookstore. It will wherever. be there. The Power of Writing It Down comes out January 12th. Um, so yes, you guys make sure you go get a copy. Alan, uh, Allie, thank you for joining us. Always grateful to have your voice on the podcast and, uh, believe in what you do and thankful for that energy that you put into the world. Um, thanks so much, Ashton. Thank you. I appreciate you. You bet. And, uh, you're welcome anytime. If you ever have any new ideas, just reach out to us. We'd love to have you. Okay. You, you, you can be one of our village elders, as I call them. I yeah. love it. <laughs> I'm into that. I'm into that. Thank you so much. You bet. You bet. We'll talk soon. Okay.